Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I was kind of a minority within a minority back then. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful, and excited about life. I believe silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation, because I've come to realise that everyone is just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous. So I deliberately disguise my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of computer engineering. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be uh, back for a new year of work and um, doing all the things that I love doing. How about you? How's life in the world of computer engineering? Well, it's exciting, right? 2020, uh, when you think of the year, I thought it was just something I'd seen in Star Trek. <laughs> so now that we are actually doing it, and many of the predictions from Star Trek are probably true and old-fashioned already, um, it's very exciting uh, to be in a period where um, computers are uh, really leading the way and we probably yeah. have to find ways to stop where they are going now. Yeah. I mean, you have you been in your career for long? I have been in my career for over 20 years now, almost 20 years. Gosh, you must have seen a lot of change. Very, uh, yeah, a lot of change. I think uh, it's it's been an exciting journey, even from the conversations that we look at. I look at a number of industries and how technology has transformed the way they work. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been quite interesting to see how um, the way the workings have changed. The business transformation is at a different level. Mm. The conversations that I have 10 years ago seem like such a joke now. (laughs) What kind of conversations? So let's say if you take, uh, you know, uh, 2000, the whole industry IT revolution started because of the Y2K uh, period, right? Mm. And now you're talking, the conversations we have is on a different league, how you're transforming an industry using AI. Yeah. How you're looking at jobs, uh, not only to make them efficient, lean, no, how you're going to do it differently. How, what tasks can be taken over by artificial intelligence? What can be automated? so there is a lot, it's it's a very, uh, it is a scary zone right now, I'd like to say, because we are at a period where we don't know what tomorrow definitely looks like and what we were very comfortable with, jobs, types of work that people did in every organization, take media, take telecom, where, of course, another industry which has converged completely. I remember walking into music companies mm. a few years ago 
in 2004-2005 and they had a very different language yeah. and then there was a now there's a world of Spotify yeah the stars don't exist the way they used to work doesn't exist it's a whole new working model yeah it's the same with television um and print media yeah. I mean people don't really u- read newspapers anymore um and you know people watch television mostly on their phones and have a much shorter attention span or even time to consume video so things have really really changed and and the fake news and then you have a problem with it there's so much to read now that you can't really you you it's difficult for a common man common person to know what's really real and what's not and you know we are really at the driver's seat of curating every part of our experience uh you know in the olden days yeah. like you said for print you know there were some very good dailies and we would really read them they would define the spirit the momentum of the country the political scene but now depending on what we've read today we are literally curating what we are going to read for the next few days and and it's really difficult it's very important that we manage each step and then social media is another level Mm-hmm. I'm just reading somewhere that uh, you know uh, students and kids have to um are, and especially young girls are really getting depressed or mentally disturbed by social media and there was a whole the front page news today I read was about uh, a suicide of a seven of a very young girl and the parents blame it on you know the hard some pressure yeah, the pressure and what social media you know the need for them to share data of how students and actually you know it is a minefield we did not have all this and none of us really know how to handle it there is no right way there's no um bible or there's no there's no best way of working with these things and i think the next few years uh, i'm hoping will define how we make technology fit in our life and not uh, let technology take over our life mm. well technology seems to have been your life um how have you coped with the ever changing landscape of the field that you're in i think that's the really interesting part for for as a person i i i think i thrive in change so for me it worked really well mm and and i think it it's all uh, it's given every moment is new it's real challenges uh, and it's also easy at the end of the day technology has made our life easier and has made my customers lives easier mm. so the story is obviously very positive if you do this if you transform your company digitally you can save money you can save jobs you can you can do you can reach out to a better audience you can meet better people you can deliver better products uh so the story is about betterment mm. it's about it's not doom and gloom yeah exactly it's not right uh, you look at the electric cars at every level that we've impl- uh, we've got technology involved mm. it's been a good story um and only now there is some you know uh, and, and of course you know you have to balance the story out but if you look from a business perspective um you're you're definitely increasing your reach your methods are changing uh, the best statement you know if you look at the advertising industry about 25 years ago or 20 years ago when we were just doing um 
in you know from a marketing perspective we'd say i don't know what 80% of my yeah, you know exactly how, how and where and, and uh, for how long yeah you're talking about mass personalization you can give you know, and that was unimaginable yeah. 20 15 years ago it was unimaginable and look at the granularity we work with every habit we track yeah What made you go into computer engineering in the first place? Um I thought of all the engineering I I I would have loved to be in mechanical engineers because engineer because I I th- I thought I loved cars. It's a different thing that I don't drive on now, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I thought you know that would be a nice thing build those products, but computer was the shiny new thing at that point. I I don't believe it when I did my engineering I did it in an all girls engineering college. Oh really? How many of you? Oh, I think I I asked because I couldn't imagine that there were enough to make a no, class. You know and the and the joke in the engineering circles used to be where it used to be a co-ed environment that there are only two types of people there there are males and non-males because there were hardly any females. there were very boys who went into the coed environment and then suddenly yeah. uh despite all odds you know I've, i've grown up in a whole coed environment all my schooling was coed and then suddenly i'm doing this very male dominated uh, course and i have only women around me uh and there were many i think we uh, we were a bad so my college is very well known and uh And, and 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 we were among the, i think the first five batches so not it wasn't that old five or six batches and then uh, it was about uh, uh, my class was 100 and uh, i think the overall 100 women 100 women yeah uh, my year group for computers was 100 women and and then we had electronics and instrumentation and now we've expanded that faculty to have many other courses and we shared mm. campus with an architecture college all women and wow. imagine we were a good hold of 500 to 500 plus women in 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 this very male dominated field so it was very exciting i think gosh that's so encouraging but that means you that means you would have had a radically different experience to what i had for example where in my class mechanical engineering course um there are 139 of us all together and eight of us were girls or something and it i mean it just it made such a difference that we were such a minority and also being you know ethnic minority studying in the uk um we were literally a minority within a minority um or i was i was a minority within a minority but what must it have been like for you being a woman in an all female school so i did it differently right so we were um, so i've been in a coed environment all along so when i came for this engineering college it was unheard of i never knew you could get so many women and you know every time in school also our balance was the same you know 20 boys four girls you know it would be so i was used to that mm. environment because then i chose science for my a level the gcse equivalent and that that pyramid was anyway becoming very light on the women front and then suddenly when there were so many women it taught me three things and they have stayed with me forever and even till date that's a place i go in my mind and i get a lot of uh, inspiration and i would give it to all the girls because in that environment 
there were no stereotypes. I had to do everything, you know, and, and I yeah. was one of those girls who would love to, you know, who, who would love to feel like a princess. So I would, you know, in, in my COVID environment, I'd have, you know, I thought, you know, mm-hmm. if you could smile, you could get your, you know, we had to do metallurgy and we had to do blacksmithing and all those really hard, very tough um, uh, courses in the first year, which really involved a lot of physical strength as well. And and I thought, oh my God, there's no easy way. I've got to do it. Yeah, the female child is not going to work. Everybody around me was in the same boat, <laughs> or some was. But but yeah, that that taught me that yeah, together we are a great force. Uh, we could do anything. Mm. So they. Yeah, because I, I do, one of the themes, I work a lot in the whole uh, women, women in business, women in science, and women in leadership. And I always feel that, you know, we don't encourage each other that much. And that is there, mm-hmm. and I think that's an inherent thing, but that's also because uh, of the way uh, uh, the society has, you know, led on to that, okay, they they compare us quite easily, and which is why, you know, the whole social media aspect, yeah. you know, linking back to that, women get more affected, girls mm-hmm. get more affected by comparison, and I don't know why. Yeah, well, there's so, there's so few opportunities for women, I mean, particularly in STEM, I mean, there are just so few uh, places for women in STEM fields, so it can get really competitive. And so rather than uniting, often women see each other as a threat to their own ambitions. Yes, I think that's a really nice way. That's a, that's a good point because I didn't think of it that way, that uh, maybe because there's such few opportunity, we feel that we need to prove ourselves a lot more. Mm, yeah, but yeah. That, that could be one, yes. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, and, and my experience just taught me that, you know, when there is a purpose, uh, and when we are working towards a goal, we are a, a pretty good team. Yeah. And so I guess then the environment at school, your engineering school was very much one of all the women getting stuck in and really kind of not holding back on what they're capable of. Yeah, I mean, you've got to go go with it, right? Mm. You had, I had my friends used to drive bikes and I mean, there was nothing that the girls didn't do. Yeah. They would do motorbikes, they'd race, they'd, and I think that was exhilarating. I, all your life you hear girls don't do this and then you get put into an environment where we are actually every minute doing what people thought we could mm. do. And I think that uh, uh, that's probably. I you were in a girls' school, and I find how was it was it similar to that? Like, did you uh, when you studied? Did, what is your experience in the schooling years? Does that come into play or not really? Um. So I was. I've had such a strange journey through education because uh, I was bullied quite a lot for being ethnic minority and also being one of very few girls uh, in my primary school Um, and then secondary school I went to all girls um, for A-levels and then when I was in university it was pretty much all boys again so I've really had like all experiences and I think because the experiences were so varied 
Um, I really ended up feeling very lost. Um, I just didn't know how to stand up for myself. And I guess that's why I have such a passion to help other women today to stand up for themselves, particularly within STEM. Um, I've heard before from another podcast guest that um, going to a single sex school was the best thing for her because you're right, there were no stereotypes. So everyone just did everything. And they didn't hold back, you know, they didn't think, oh, we'll save that for the boys. Um, they didn't sort of develop that charm offensive uh, because it just wasn't going to get you anywhere in a single sex school. Um, and so it's fascinating to hear everybody's experiences because, you know, even if two people, two women had the same education and same educational circumstances, it doesn't necessarily mean that they would um, experience it the same way. So for me, when I was in mechanical engineering, surrounded by a lot of men, I found it really refreshing. I found it extremely focused because my education before that was um, with all girls. And I found it to be kind of like very emotion driven, you know, a bit sort of like all over the place. Whereas men, in my experience, have more of an ability to just be purely rational. So, you know, I think you can get the best out of all situations, but sometimes situations get the better of a person. So it's interesting to see that you had a positive experience yes i i like you said you know I, i'm sure uh, um there are pros and cons to each of those uh, areas but yeah but for me i thought i what i got what i learned from it was the positives of it i mm. thought the fact that there were no stereotypes and we've got to do everything and we did everything on our own uh it gave me confidence that really um you know, the world's your oyster. You can do what you set your heart to. And, and that, that, that was my engineering, really. I think that, that really set the foundation for engineering for me. Mm. And why did you even decide to go into STEM in the first place? Like, were you particularly gifted at it? Yeah, I, I enjoyed science. Um, I I was I was good at it. I was uh, smart. My teachers thought I was really good. I thought I wanted to do more, something more. Um, uh, I I may I could have done something in history and art as a historian or something like that. But uh, I think I was very logical and and I wanted mm-hmm. to. Um, so it wasn't something that I was really. Um, making things as a natural engineer but i was very logical i i like the mm-hmm. whole logic behind things i yeah. like the fact that you could do something new create something of your own um even when i thought about uh, chemistry the other option i i had in my mind was a chemical engineering uh, and really the use case that drove me to think about that was perfumes uh, i'd love know what goes behind it so it was always coming you know they say that for me um it was uh, using engineering to touch a very uh women-centric world 
Uh, and I, and yeah. I, I like that. I thought, you know, uh, you can't have engineers designing for women without having any of our influence, right? So, so that's, that's where yeah. my thinking was. It was very, it was always, I was always testing the norm. And I was always wanting to do something slightly different. And, and I thought computers gave the right foundation. And I've stayed mm, in the industry, yeah. but I've always looked at solutions that my uh, that engineering or computers or technology could provide to business. So that has always been my uh, strength to be able to understand the implications um, and, or understand a problem and then try and find the right solution for it. And technology uh, really is at the heart of many solutions these days. So it puts me in the right place. Yeah. It sounds like it's given you a tremendous amount of self-esteem being in this STEM world. Is that true? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I didn't think I was lacking it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's it's a strength. I think it, it gives you, um, it gives you a rational confidence, right? Things yeah. can happen. Anything you want to do can be done. Um, and there's no practical way then looking at science for it. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, today industries appreciate what, bring, what women bring to the table more than ever. And there's such a push towards inclusivity and diversity within um, the science fields. Uh, but you know, for a long time, and even now, the stereo, the stereotypes have really held women back. Um, have you seen a change over your career as to how women are viewed within STEM? You know, um, I, I I have the I have the privilege of working with a significant number of women in tech. In, in the industry that I work in and in the company that I am. Um, and I've seen, you know, hundreds and thousands. That's the number we're talking about. Um, but what I'm, but what I, but what I see lacking is we get to a level and, you know, you're talking all my career uh, and all my schooling. I've always seen that girls have performed better in grades in comparison. There's hands down more sincerity, more willingness, but I have seen, you know, when women hit milestones, yeah, um, like mm. having a baby, which is probably the biggest milestone that they hit. I don't think marriage changes that much if they have a good partner. And I think vice versa for the partner as well. But uh, having kids, etc., I mm. feel it's a little bit of a, uh, you know, we are not catering for them to then uh, come back in and that's where the stereotype just holds back I remember that you know I was interviewing one of the one uh, a person to hire in the team and I asked somebody to give me a feedback mm, and yeah. you won't believe that that person said she's good but she has kids so she'll go home early and, and I was just thinking that you know, I'm definitely, if that is the feedback you've given me, then I'm definitely hiring her. And, you know, mm. looking back, she was one of my best hires because 
she was the first one in the office and she would deliver when she was there she was so focused that you know so this this these stupid stereotypes keep coming up and i'm like really but they are my best performers i have history i've seen them i've done it can you say the contrary to the contrary you know can you prove to the prove the opposite but so yes you know i see those milestones um for everyone where uh, and and unfortunately i don't think uh, as a society it's not individual companies but as a society um we're giving an equal space to it it's it's a lot of subtle changes you know i see a lot of companies that have women's network and if you go into the women's network we talk about issues that are mm. very siloed towards us you know childcare or you know family whatever you know it's we are constantly juggling for that uh, work life balance uh but you don't see those same conversations coming from men and once i one of a very famous uh, ceo uh, i know you keep things anonymous so i'll keep it that way but she i was attending one of her conferences and she was asked by a journalist after the whole interview went really well and she, in in the interview the journalist asked her and how do you do it all and i love her reply she said did you ask the ceo just before me the same question Oof. and i thought you know yeah because i don't want to be asked that question i don't want to be siloed mm. i'm doing the job and at that point when i'm doing the job that's what you want to you want to measure me on yeah in the background yes so it's, you know we help us help women create that balance field you know and that's when oh and that's another subject <laughs> where you have to you know subtly change the dynamics of the society mm. but it cannot be through siloed networks of women because we'll never match it we don't have the capacity time to nurture another relationship in and and then create a work life balance around yeah. it yeah it's such a big problem i don't understand why it takes two people to create a child and yet once that child has been created it seems to become purely the responsibility of the mother to be there with her time and it's yeah that kind of backward thinking is deeply ingrained in our societal thinking and and it's across societies and you know uh, having said that you know uh, i have a very very um, amazing partner and we work together towards everything you know i don't think any woman can come to work if she doesn't have the right support behind her and mm. once who are are hats off to them but it's a family that works together and men are at an individual level you can see some are doing more than the others and some mm. are far beyond that curve uh, yeah. but that but that change has to come you know um if a man takes a parental leave it's not taken that well even in his organization yeah so you we have to it's it's a it's a it's a it's it's really a mind field to see um it has to be done subtly it has to be it will take time um but you know maybe our daughters are going to grow up feeling that uh, there was no stereotype mm. and when we get to that stage where uh we haven't been telling our sons that boys do this and girls don't do this and hopefully i think we are creating that world now where uh, 
we're getting very yeah. gender neutral um you know and i think it it sits in that fact i grew up as one oh, really? of three sisters and 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 you know my uh, our, our, my father never told us we are girls or we couldn't do something and i think that that was at the uh, at the cornerstone or the foundation for the ambition for the desire for the attitude uh, and that stems on if if we are not inculcating that at the right age between mm. young girls and boys it's not going to permeate in society i mean do you think your dad had very um time because um you know my dad i think was pretty open minded about having three daughters uh but there was still this air of you know the man runs the house and the man is head of the family so yes i think my dad was a very uh, is a very strong personality and he uh, definitely ran the house but my mom was a very silent strong willed person i think uh, it was a great story to see how both of them created a wonderful partnership um where my mom gave brought all the calmness the the silence the positivity the spirit the attitude uh, my dad brought the drive the ambition the the energy and and you know i think that's literally the balance that's required uh, but you know and although you're right that i did see a man was leading it but my dad mm-hmm. was very respectful of the position that my mom had and for mm-hmm. us as well he made sure i remember from a very young age my dad would make us read articles about uh, women ceos women pilots women uh, um civil uh, civil officers and we meet lots of these ambitious lovely women in banking and um, um in in every field so for us you know that exposure was very early on we had little role models every part of our life you know to look at them, look up mm. to them and starting with my mother although she was a homemaker but it was her strength that built everything and and her girls yeah yeah i think you know i don't know about your um experience but in my generation i think my dad was extremely uh, open minded about the roles women could take i mean he's an engineer himself and all three of his daughters went into stem subjects um so obviously influenced by him but uh i think it requires another generation after ours to know how to stand up for oneself so there's standing up for oneself and being a strong woman but there's also the next level which is feeling comfortable uh, and at ease of standing up for oneself because i think that certainly seems to have skipped my generation i feel like i was very uncomfortable standing up for myself i still did it but i was very uncomfortable throughout the whole process no you you're right you know uh, and that's what i was saying that maybe our daughters or maybe hopefully yeah. our daughters or maybe the generation after you know they will not grow up with any stereotype we mm. don't use it in our house hopefully the schools don't use it much and um, there are more and more role models for them to look at so that they'll feel comfortable it's the norm it's natural 
because it's not natural for me and it's not natural for you even now you know for us it isn't mm. we we still have um i still sit there and think you know how can you have gender pay parity i mean mm. how and uh, and it exists yeah so it's getting there exactly but but it it mm. still exists and you know you you just have to kind of stay you know you there are so many times where i've seen for promotions within a corporate structure that a man just almost entitles himself to it and a woman always just thinks oh is she good enough and i'm like oh my god you know when you're when i'm interviewing people or when i'm doing an appraisal conversation and i'm going do you know you work so hard and everybody sees how hard you're working but you're you're the one not championing yourself and i remember in contrary i had 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 a male uh, a guy a, a, man, a man come for the same appraisal they had the same job over the year and you could see they both knew that uh, there's stark difference in the delivery but the confidence with which the boy sold himself uh, i was like really <laughs> or you know some your work definitely takes you places but but you know you have to be vocalist you have to be your own champion as well and It's i think that's something champion. we lack a bit and did, have you always yeah. been your own champion or is it as a result of moving into a more senior authoritative position as a woman in tech that has taught you um those skills Oh, I think I've made many mistakes. I'm, I, I. It's only now, in hindsight, that I realize that you know I could have championed myself better. Mm. And in some cases, I have probably been able to champion myself. And I've been lucky. I've met some really nice mentors along the way. Mm. Uh, and look, I put it to luck. I don't put it to hard work. So that's where my championship goes, right? Uh, but, uh, but no, I think. Uh, No, I'm not there at all. I I would like to champion myself a lot more. Um I What's holding you back from championing yourself? Because it's not natural, right? It doesn't come naturally to you. We are used to uh as women it we we've, we've had that a little bit of now not so much. Now I'm I'm probably a little more cognizant of the fact that no, you know, this is what you've got to say and I'm I'm getting more in the skin. Mm. In the initial years, yes, I entered back in a very man-centric world. Uh, you know, you miss out the coffee conversations. You're not doing the sales drinks every evening. Um, more when you get into the kids' zone, you start missing out those a lot more. As a young individual, you're still there. Um, you know, and I also come from an ethnic minority, but my working life has all been in this uh, in UK. So. uh i've had all those barriers as well to mm. juggle with so it's always been those challenges and you know you don't fit in immediately into the environment firstly girl in a man's world then you become come from an ethnic minority then you're missing out the gossip you're missing out the right stories you may not find them out you don't become uh, and having said that i'm in a i'm very sales centric i'm a very people person uh so i think it's getting a, it's it's you know i it's a balance but uh, of course it can be done a lot better mm. yeah i i've often talked to guests on my show that um 
say, if only they knew now what they knew when they were first starting out in a STEM world, like things would be very different. And it's just things like, you know, it's okay to fail. It's okay to um, not have the right answers or to find something confusing. And and I remember myself as a younger STEM person, I was always so scared of getting the answer wrong and my peers seeing that. And I think I still struggle with that today where I just always want to come across as knowledgeable and capable. And um, my need for that actually disempowers me. I, I totally agree with you. And I, I share that sentiment, you know, to be able to know everything. But as as I'm climbing, as I'm where I am right now, and as I meet more senior people also, I think, uh, you know, when you're, when you're starting, you feel the people above you know everything. And they're more knowledgeable than they know. When you're at this level, you're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. we know so little. And that... <laughs> And that no, and that uh, realization that you know, <laughs> as you grow higher, your knowledge actually keeps reducing because you have to keep expanding it. Yeah. That whole learning in every aspect, learning in the people you meet, learning in the things you do, learning uh, real courses, and just the emotional intelligence of that period is is so critical. So now, when when I'm sitting and having conversation with my colleagues finding answers to problems we are all uh, exploring and as you go higher you realize nobody knows what's right or wrong we are all working with intuition mm. we are all trying to use the best of what we know and yes the more we try to do something and if we are happy to fail we'll probably reach there faster because we would have tried a lot more things and that again is uh, is a mindset that doesn't come inherently to everyone and not to our generation. Yeah. And you're just, in listening to you, I'm realizing that actually we need to have a really strong sense that we bring something useful to the table. Because I think women often feel like, well, women may doubt what they bring to the table, particularly after having children because they think oh well you know I probably don't know as much as someone that can study all day um, or can really be focused on their job rather than be distracted by their family Um, and it's more like an internal conversation rather than reality because as you said with the colleague that you eventually hired you know people bring skills to the table but it's almost like individuals, those individuals need to appreciate what skills they're bringing to the table. They have to know it themselves. Yeah, it's just that, you know, the skills are, um, you, you're, you're right. It's just that knowledge of acknowledging the fact that you can do it. And, you yeah. know, if you, uh, Cheryl Sandberg's uh, Lean In puts it really nicely in her book where she says, uh, <clears throat> you know, they both, uh, her brother and uh, she, they were both studying for the same exam and uh, the brother really didn't work hard um, and she and her friend really slogged and they all gave the exam. The brother comes out and said, mm-hmm. I aced it. 
I think I've done well. It's got everything, but there may be something. And the boy would just come and say, "Ah, oh, I've done a great job. It's perfect. I think we found a lot of." It's just the same, you know. It's because really the messenger on the other side, the person on the other side, as we go higher, doesn't have the bandwidth to mm. clean the noise. Right? Sometimes they just put the vibe in the room, and. we have to be very mindful of not having yeah. this self doubt vibe when we are presenting to be very like no i think i've done a great job it's good and somehow that is not inherent in in a lot of girls and a lot of high performers like alzi and like you mentioned and people i've met um and they are significantly high performing girls that i'm talking about so it's just ours right uh, and i'd love yeah. to know that silver bullet is and i would love to give it to my daughters as well mm-hmm. so that at least they come out shining out of it yeah yeah i it feels almost biological um it doesn't feel like we choose to have this mindset of self doubt and it seems to be a lot it seems to be a necessary tool for advancement but yet it causes so much kind of suffering and just distress and anxiety to always be questioning oneself um and i'd love to be able to get rid of it if i could um but it can be a real clash with men because when you're in a period of self doubt and men let's just say uh he you in that spiral of self doubt it makes them question us as well so exactly that is the that is where we need to be a little more sharp and focused uh to not let uh, you you know it's back to that championship point you either mm-hmm. champion yourself or you let the uh, self doubt take over because if you're not saying the right thing to ourselves uh then obviously the audience is not hearing the right thing from us mm. yeah gosh i mean it's it's one task to try not to engage in the continuous self doubt but it's also another task to hide the self doubt if you are in self doubt you know try not to share it with people because it then just makes other people doubt you and i don't know sometimes i just i feel like one of my biggest ambitions is to le- live authentically and to just be myself in front of people but you know part of being oneself is to be very honest about your shortcomings and your sort of um your weaknesses but we live in a world and a society where you really have to put your weaknesses to one side and you know kind of sweep them under the carpet so that no one else sees them yeah yeah but um 
you know, being that authentic lifestyle or the authentic life or the authentic you uh, is such a powerful uh, statement. And, and, you know, if you look at any of the ancient scriptures, it's all about that old mindfulness getting to that power of you Mm. and centering you in your own Mm. thing. I really believe in that. I I think it's... uh, but it's mm. a journey. We all unfortunately have to go through that journey to come to that mm. realization. Um, and and I think you know it. Sometimes it's also our strength because the effort that we put in uh, is significant, and maybe the results are better. And I think in a in a in a stream like science, or where you come to scientists and research. Um, a personality like that, where you continuously try and challenge yourself, you have that self-doubt, you try and do it again, you get it right in in medicine. Now, that's such a, yeah. it is it is a re, almost mm. a, a prerequisite yeah. to be good at something in that format, right? Uh, on the spectrum of sales, you know, you can take my uh, drift there where, you know, you have to show the confidence in the room because... Otherwise, mm. if you have self-doubt, yeah. it's not going to. People are not going to buy what you're saying. Um, so it, it's that spectrum. It's those. Uh, it, it's those careers. It's those. Uh, but but if you just look, even in in these. Uh, so uh, we we probably need to know when to switch on that uh, that spirit of not self-doubt but self-challenge i wouldn't call it self-doubt i'll call it self-challenge because it's more positive mm. it's more like we can do better i need to do this better i think it can go further um and that, that probably some professions really and most professions would uh would uh, would benefit from something like that would benefit from that the self-challenge that an individual brings to the table and you have to be in that sphere of self-challenge Self-comparison. You have to compare yourself to only your next best self. Um, And that takes away the whole social media aspect as well. Don't look at someone else. Just compare yourself. Are you better than what you were yesterday and what you are doing today? Mm. You are in the right track. And that brings you closer to your authentic you. Um, And and that's the journey uh, individuals have to make and women have to make for themselves. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll get to that balance. Uh, we hopefully we'll get that balance right. Yeah. Speaking of the journey, the long journey of self-realization, um, how has it been? You mentioned your daughters fitting motherhood into a career that is very male-dominated. Uh, you know, that's my self-challenge. That's where the motivation, the self-motivation, comes from. Uh, to see my girl, see somebody who's been in this environment and and hopefully they would see me as somebody who's comfortable in that skin. My, mm. my older daughter, she's only six and she's, uh, she's really very encouraged by the fact that her mother's an engineer. Um, and she's, she says she wants to be an engineer and she wants to create things and she's more creative and, you know, that whole journey. So if... If I can encourage her, and that's probably one of the reasons why I, after my first child, I, I had the option of not going back. And mm. very early on, within the first six weeks, I think I knew I would be going back. Uh, I'm not somebody who would not go back. So that that obviously was off the question, but go back to work mm. uh, or work in some capacity. 
Um, and then, you know, it just became something that if, if we don't set the right examples, uh, who will? Mm. Um, and and I think my daughters are also my biggest strength. You know, the family is the biggest strength. They work around it. My husband, my daughters, we work together as a great team. My younger one is still very young. She's only one, but it's mm-hmm. just, um, it just, it fits everything together. Mm. How did you even know when to fit motherhood into your career? Because women study and men study for so long to be qualified enough to get their dream jobs. And then once you get into your dream job, you have to work again to to progress. When did you know it was the right time to then have children? Do you have kids? I mean, I actually don't have kids because I've never known when to fit it in. You will never know when to fit it in. You will never know what it is to be a mother and to be responsible. I think there is no Bible that says it, and that's where it's literally a joke that it's such an important milestone in anyone's life, man, woman, whatever. And nobody tells you how to do it right. There Mm. is no manual that tells you how to deal with a child, how to bring up a child, there are many parenting things coming up now, but the minute you hold your baby, you are someone else. Mm-hmm. And that transformation, uh, you are literally born on the day your baby is born, and you are a different woman from that minute on. Mm-hmm. You have more perspective, you have better perspective. In some cases, it uh, makes you more emotional. In some cases, it makes you more stronger. You will deal with it at your own time. Um, yeah, if you ask me in my personal journey, uh, my daughters are five years apart. I, I think it was good for me right now. Sometimes I feel I could have had them one after the other. Um, I definitely wanted more than one because there was no point in getting one and not having a sibling because I've grown up with a great sisterhood, in, you know, a sister bond that I have and it's my strength mm-hmm. too. So I definitely wanted my daughters to have it. Luckily, I have two daughters, so that works. Um, and and really, I, I don't think I knew it till I held my baby in my hand. And even then, I didn't know if I have the right qualifications mm. to be a mother. And um, yeah, and it's a it's a wonderful journey of uh, of something called guilt that you'll have twenty four seven that you're never <laughs> a great mother, uh, and that's another thing you live with. Um, but yeah, you, that's, that's a self challenge. You every day want to make sure that you're waking up to be the best mother for your daughters, for your family, uh, for your kids. Um, and it puts everything in perspective. It puts a lot of things in perspective. Um, at work, I think, I think before my daughters, I take a lot more, Mm -hmm. I would get stressed about a lot of things at work. Um, but it's not that I'm I'm more driven right now I, as compared to when they were, you know, because my time is also limited and it needs to be balanced right. So the drive, the ambition is still strong, but your perspective is more holistic. It's more, uh, you know. And that's what corporates seem to fear about women having children, that they they just get more life context and that seems to make them less ambitious although 
in all the women that describe this switch that they've experienced, they seem to just get more focused. Yeah, I think it's not it's not less ambition at all. It's more focused. I think a woman who's coming back to work after having a baby, do not challenge her ambition because that's pretty much at its peak at that point. She yeah. has made a conscious decision that she is coming to somewhere um, where she has to hit hard because she has to make sure that it counts. Her yeah. minute at work counts, her minute at home counts. Uh, and it's refreshing. It's really refreshing. I think it, it's it's my inner strength. Being a mother is your superwoman strength. <laughs> you know, it it you if you're there, you're working towards it. It's you have to may play to your strength. You know, and I, I think it's someone just. I was just talking to somebody, and I said, "How do you feel becoming?" And it was a. Uh, I said, "How do you feel becoming a dad?" And he said something. He said, "You know, that's the only. That's the." Only selfless thing we end up doing in our whole oh gosh, life. Yeah. Uh, it's probably the most rewarding thing, and I'm like, exactly, you know. And um, and that came from a man, uh, a man who's pro- who's very, I'm sure, equally uh, uh, delivering his hours at work mm-hmm. and at home in the right spirit. So. Uh, you know, and that's how you look at it because we do. It's we talk about charity, we talk about everything, but it's that selfless attachment to someone. You know, you hold your child, you will never mm-hmm. know that you love someone so much. Uh, so all those feelings, um, you know, that's that's behind what a superwoman or a super person is made of to handle all those feelings and uh, make your determination mm-hmm. more focused, more sharp. Uh, and you have another reason, you know, you have another reason to do well. You have another reason to make it count. Um, you know, and unfortunately, and yeah, so that that's my thinking around it. Uh, In listening to you, you sound like an absolute superwoman. Do you think you have it all? I don't think anyone can have it all. It's a scary thought to have it all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I have a good balance of it all. Uh, yeah, because there are there are so many aspects to being a woman. There's motherhood. There's you know being the the woman, the an individual in your own right. And then there's you know the woman that has a career. I mean, you seem to have those plates spinning in every single department. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, like I said initially, that I I am the kind of person who loves, who thrives in that change, the continuous change that life brings to you. So I'm most comfortable when it's all spinning. So, uh, and I like it that way. I think, of course, you know, uh, I've been fortunate in terms of the fact that I have the right ecosystem around me, uh, the right opportunities Mm. I've been able to look at and uh, touch wood, you know. uh, the spirit is strong, the ambition is there, and uh, and the ambition comes not only in profession, it comes in the personal life too. So as long as, you know, mm. we are able to juggle, there are some good days, some bad days, but uh, all in all, uh, it's that uh, positive uh, championing that gets everyone going. So do you reckon that has been uh, the key to having it all? Because, you know, everyone has different forms of luck and different destinies but for you what has been the key characteristics in obtaining and maintaining having it all so uh 
as a person, I think I'm never, uh, uh, as my husband would joke with me, that I'm never, I'm never satisfied. And I tell him that's my strength. I'm always hungry for more. Mm-hmm. And that that's what drives uh, drives me. Mm-hmm. And, and in that spirit, um, I don't know what, what all would be because my all is a continuous goal. It's, it's ever changing mm-hmm. and it's, you know, right. you know the, the want to do more, the want to do better, more than more, it's better. It's, it's, it's varied. It's, uh, extensive. It's versatile, you know, all those aspects, um, with my children, with, with for my family, do more, do right, do better. Mm-hmm. Um, that ambition, we, you know, more quality time it could mean any aspect. Mm. But uh, but that's my drive, you know. So I am not somebody who'd sit and say, yeah, it's all going well. There can always be something better. Uh, but I enjoy it. And and there's that. Uh, and I, I I call it my positive spin because. That's why I wake up, because you can always make the next day better. What a beautiful note to end on. It's just been so inspiring listening to your words and hearing about your life. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. I really enjoy listening to you and looking at all your work. So you are an inspiration in yourself. Oh. Amazing. <laughs> so you. happy to have connected with you. Likewise. Thank you so much. That's it from my STEM guest this week. Gosh, well, she said it right there. It couldn't be any clearer. What's really driving her is this need to keep bettering herself and keep improving and just being the best version of herself each and every day. But for me, what was so key in listening to her was that as well as striving for more, she's also enjoying every step of the way. Thank you so much for listening this week. Don't forget to rate and review the show and catch you next week on Silence.